0: Good morning. Our reading today is from Acts 9, verses 1 through 15. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats of murder and and against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, Because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. Good looking lady right there. Uh, that's my wife, just so you know I'm not being creepy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Rob Lau. Good morning, church. I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer. I'm so glad that you have come uh, here today, whether you're in-house in with us or one of the many watching online. Thank you, and God bless you for being part of today, because today we're beginning a sermon series that I believe, with every fiber of my being, is very likely to change some people's lives. Our series is entitled, Called... That it's based on a very simple premise. The premise is that every one of us, every one of us, every single one of us has been called by God. Now, we talk about this a lot here at Ebenezer Church. Pastor Mark and I talk about it a great deal about how when we read the scriptures, there are really three things we, we over and over and over again learn about ourselves. We learn first that we are loved and there's nothing we can do about it. We learn next that we have a place to belong, it's here. In Christ's holy church. And the third thing we learn is that God has given us purpose in this world. That's another way of talking about calling, that language of purpose. God has created us for something. God didn't just give us life. God gave us a reason to live it. We are all called. And here we are, 90 seconds into the series, and this is where things start to get sticky. You see, we just heard an amazing call story. Paul's call story is an amazing story. It's a story that many of us grew up in Sunday school learning about. But here's the problem. Most of the people in this room don't have a call story like that one, right? Full of sound and fury and the voice of of God from on high and bright lights, most of us Most of us don't have a call story like Paul's call story. And I don't have a story like that. It kind of bums me out because I went to seminary with people who had call stories like this. I was visiting Rio de Janeiro. And I saw the picture of Jesus, the statue of Jesus. And it started doing the YMCA. And I knew I had to come back and do youth ministry here in the States, right? I had people who had call stories, big, beautiful call stories. But I don't. And maybe there are some people in this room who had the sound and fury call story. God bless you, good on you. But most of us don't have that kind of call story. Most of our story looks a little bit different. It's the story of another journey. Are you familiar with the story of the the people who were on the road to Emmaus? At the end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, and some of his disciples are on the, the road to this town called Emmaus, and Jesus shows up and starts walking with them, but they don't recognize him. And in the course of their journey, they're having a conversation and Jesus begins to explain everything that has happened. He connects the dots for them. They're mesmerized by what he has to say, but still they don't recognize Jesus. The Bible says that they invited Jesus to come and have dinner with them. And one of the more, remember, one of the more memorable lines of the story is, Jesus was praying over the meal, he lifted the bread, he broke it, and the Bible says he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And what that means is that at that moment, the scales kind of fell from their eyes and they saw Jesus for who he really was. And here's the reason I'm telling you this. Some of us have amazing call stories like the Apostle Paul had, where God knocks us off our donkey, right? Some of us, on the other hand, don't have the road to Damascus experience. We have the road to Emmaus experience when we wake up in a moment and we recognize that Jesus has been journeying with us all along, leading us and teaching us and transforming us and challenging us, our call stories may look different, but all of us, all of us are called by God. It is also true that all of us, at some point along the way, resist God's calling on our lives. And the reason that's true is because God never God does not call us to go sit in our easy boy in front of our 70-inch TV and watch television. That is rarely the call of God, right? God's call on our lives is rarely rarely ever comfortable. God almost always calls us to do something that's hard and uncomfortable because great work is hard and it's uncomfortable and God has called us to do great things. So God calls us, and we often resist, and this happened with Paul. Later on in the book of Acts, Paul tells his own story in his own words to King Agrippa. In Acts chapter 26, verse 14, Paul says that he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. What's a goad? That thing is a goad. It's a it's a cattle prod from the ancient Near East. Now most cattle prods were not, I imagine, covered in gold like this one were was, right? but but this is the idea. The 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 point on the front of the cattle prod prods the cattle in the direction you want them to go. Now as you can imagine, if someone were continually poking you in the backside with a sharp stick, you might kick back at them. That's what cattle do too. When they kick back, they're they're, they're being driven and then they'll kick back. And when they kick back, that little point on the bottom of the hook connects with their hooves, and it hurts them. It hurts them to kick against the goads. So the shepherd is leading them somewhere. They resist, and it's hurtful to them. That's what God says to Paul in Paul's conversion experience. God says it hurts you to kick against the goads. Paul had the perspective that he knew how to better direct his life than God did. And here's the salient point for us. All of us who from time to time hear God's call in our lives and resist, when we resist the call of God, it hurts us. When we resist the call of God, it hurts the people around us. And truthfully, when we resent God's call in our life, it also hurts God. All of us have been called, and at some point in our lives, all of us are going to resist that call, but there is good news. God puts people in our lives to help us respond to God's call. Like in Paul's story, it was a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias is a fascinating dude. Because think about this for just a moment. Paul has been given license to go and arrest Christians. This this same guy who... Earlier in his career was present at the stoning of the first Christian martyr, a guy by the name of Stephen. He has gone to the chief priests. He has sought their, oppor- their, their, their approval to go off and, and to, to persecute people in Damascus. And, and his reputation has grown. So I want you to imagine, put yourself in Ananias' shoes for just a second. Hey, Ananias, I'm going to need you. You know that guy, Saul, who has been, uh, killing Christians? and has a warrant for your arrest too, I'm going to need you to go hang out with him for a little while. Wait, what? Of course I don't want to do that. Can you imagine what would happen if Ananias had said no to God? Paul's the most important Christian in history. He made a huge impact on the direction of the church. Imagine what would happen if Ananias had said, no, I'm not going to go help. I'm not going to answer your call on my life to help him. I tell you the story of Ananias for two reasons. One, because oftentimes in in the attempt to discern our call from God, God will place people in our lives just like Ananias. And they'll say things like, have you ever seen that gift? Do you see that in you? Because I see it in you. And I realize there's something in the world, there's something in the world that needs the gift that you have. God places an Ananias in our path. That's important for us to know. So as we're trying to discern our own calling, we can pay attention when Ananias shows up. The second thing that I think is important is, God often calls us to be an Ananias for someone else. I think about this especially with our folks who participate as adult leaders in our Axis youth ministry. The way that they spend time building relationships with young people and then at just the right moment say, have Have you ever thought about the fact that you have this tremendous set of gifts inside of you and that the world needs those gifts? It's a holy place. God has given us the gift of Ananias in our lives at different times, important times, the right time. And there are times also that God calls us to be an Ananias for someone else, to help reflect back to them the gifts that God has placed within them. One other thing of great hope over the course of this five-week series, we're going to be journeying with Paul in some of the most fascinating things that happens in the Bible we're going to talk about uh, in this story of, of Paul's ministry. Um, but I think it's interesting to know something about Paul's past. Uh, Paul is his his Greek name. His Hebrew name was Saul. Um, he, he was born in the town of Tarsus in the eastern Mediterranean area. Tarsus uh, was a huge town for the ancient Near East, had about 200,000 residents, massive town in, in the ancient Near East, and many philosophers wrote about how impressive the philosophical education was in Tarsus. In fact, some philosophers said that you got a better philosophical education in Tarsus than you did in Athens, which was the seat of ancient philosophy. So it was a a town with a lot of of wealth. It was a town with a lot of remarkable people in it. And it was a town with a a fine education system. And Saul grows up in this environment, likely to wealthy parents, because he was a Roman citizen, the Bible tells us. And only about 10% of the members of the Roman uh, Empire were Roman citizens. Almost certainly his parents were wealthy enough to buy that citizenship. So Paul grew up in the the metropolitan town of Tarsus. He was... uh, Raised with remarkable teaching through that education system, and then, at the age of thirteen, Saul was sent down to Jerusalem to sit under the tutelage of a guy by the name of Gamaliel Gamaliel and, and Gamaliel was almost certainly um, there. You remember when Jesus was twelve years old and he went to the temple to try and try and learn and end up teaching the the priests at the temple. Gamaliel was almost certainly one of those people that Jesus had a conversation with in his three-day journey there. He was a very famous teacher in the early part of the first century in the temple in Jerusalem. And Saul was sent to him to to learn under his tutelage. It was tantamount to getting a a Harvard education in the law. That's how gifted Gamaliel was as a teacher. And, And when you put all this together, here's what we learn. Saul was raised in a community where education was very important. He got a fantastic education in the 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 arts of philosophy as a child. And then he went off to get a fantastic legal education in the temple from Gamaliel. And the reason that's important is Paul's most lasting contribution to the world wasn't that he went on a missionary journey. Paul's most lasting contribution to the world is that he wrote back to the people he'd been to evangelize to. And Paul has actually written about half of the books in the New Testament. He is an incredibly important character in the development of Christianity. And the only thing that really prepared, the thing that really prepared him to do that was the education he got when he was a child. And here's the salient point for all of us. Just like with Saul, God has been preparing us our whole lives to answer the call that God has placed on our lives. So all of us are called. And yeah there are going to be times we'll resist that call. But God places people in our lives to help us discern and answer God's call. And God also has been giving us experiences throughout the course of our lives to prepare us to fulfill that destiny, that purpose, that call that God has given us. So up until this point, we've been speaking in some broad generalities. But now I want to shift gears a little bit. One of the ways we come to discern and understand our call is by asking ourselves the question, what am I good at? Uh, and oftentimes when I think about call, I think about the place where our passions and our talents intersect one another. What am I, what am I good at? And, and what am I passionate about? So I want to spend a few minutes today talking not about generalities, but working with you to discern what are some of the gifts that God has given to you. So if you look at the pew in front of you, you're going to find one of these documents. I want to invite you to grab it. If you do not have enough in your pew, or you don't have a pencil or pen, would you please raise your hand? We've got some ushers who are going to bring those to you. So if you need something, raise your hand and we will get it to you. Okay. So if you open up this document, you are going to see 51 questions. I just want to, I want to talk to you about these questions for a moment. Uh, This is question number one. Question number one says, I see destructive patterns in people's lives, and I help them find healthier ways of living. I see destructive patterns in people's lives, and I help them find healthier ways of living. If you do that all the time, if you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I do that all the time, put a four there. If, however, you think to yourself, in all of my life, I have never once done that thing, right? Put a zero there. Most of us are probably going to be somewhere in the middle. But what I'd like to invite you to do at this time is I want to invite you to take this survey and go ahead and and fill it out. We're going to take time in worship together. When you get to question 51, I want to ask you to stop. You guys can go ahead and start doing that. If you have a question, raise your hand. Somebody will come help you. And let me just speak to the folks who are online for a moment. Uh, there is a moderator today who I'm hopeful has given you uh, access to a copy of this document. I want to invite you to take a moment now and fill it out with us. Questions 1 through 51 would we'll take a few moments and be back together in just a second. Okay, let's come back together for just a moment. I know not everybody is quite through with all 51 questions yet, and that's okay. Uh, but I want to give those who are the next set of instructions. So uh, beneath question 51, you're going to see a grid. And uh, so what I want to invite you to do is simply to transpose your scores. Um, and uh, we've made it so that you could hold your document open like this and just kind of glance from one side back to the other. But you want to transpose uh, scores uh, from numbers 1 through 51 onto that grid. And then, once you've gotten all those numbers together then you just want to go and and add them up and so the way that adding works is across not up and down so uh for the first line there questions 1 18 and 35 my combined score for those questions give me a total score of 11 uh on that first um, first line there so uh if you would transpose your numbers and then add them up and get a total for each of the letters along the right side of the scoring we're going to give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll come back together. How's the gridding going? All right. Well, let me, uh, let me invite us to stop for just a moment, uh, and, and I'll, I'll let you know how we kind of put all this stuff together. So um, when you look at that far right column, you're going to have a series of totals. For your numbers. Um, My highest totals are A, B, D, and M. Those are my highest totals. So now if I turn this page over and look at the back, A tells me that I am a revolutionary. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, good. We have a revolutionary as a pastor. Right? Uh, B tells me that I'm good at administration, that I like dreaming about things that uh, God has coming down the road and helping to make those things happen. D is pastoring and M is hospitality. And it really is important to me that everybody feels like they have a place at the table. So uh, these these actually are accurately reflective of Rob's spiritual gifts. And my sense is that if, if you have filled this out appropriately, that, that you will find that uh, it is somewhat... Uh, indicative of your gifts as well. So I'd like to ask two brief additional things of you, if you would be willing. The first is, this is not the last time that we're going to talk about your personal spiritual gifts throughout the course of this series. Uh, We're going to build on what we have done today over the rest of this series, not simply so that we will know what our gifts are, but so we can use the gifts as part of that call equation to understand what God has called us to do. But in order for that to work, you need to be able to remember what your gifts are. So this document is yours to keep. You're welcome to take it with you and bring it back uh, throughout the rest of the series, slide it in your Bible. However, there may be some of you who think, yeah, I will not remember to do that. So for those of you, it may be helpful to, to write just the letters of what your gifts were on, uh, somewhere in your personal electronic device so that next time we refer back to these gifts, uh, you will be prepared to do so. The second thing I would like to ask of you is not only to remember what your gifts are, but secondly, uh, one of the things that's important here at Ebenezer Church is that we have a sense of what our congregation feels called to do, uh, where our gifts lie. And so there are two tear-out sections to your bulletin. The top one well, you've already filled out, uh, hopefully, and placed in the offering basket. The second tear-off section asks for some information: your first and last name. An email address, if you don't have an email address, a phone number would be great. And then what's your top few gifts are. Maybe you have top three gifts, put those top three gifts on there. Maybe you have four top gifts, put those on there. And then finally in that document, there is a, a a place at the bottom. There may be some folks who have some various professional skills. And occasionally, as one of the hubs of the of the Stafford community, people will come to us and express a need. And there may be some professional skills that you have that might, um, might translate well into, uh, helping other people. So, for example, my friend Paul Holland is sitting here on the second row. He has got his doctorate in biochemistry. Uh, so if somebody comes and needs a new compound, I feel like Paul could, could hook them up, right? Uh, but there, you know, there may be some folks that, uh, have, have skill sets that you might be interested in sharing with the church. Please record those on that piece. And later, as you depart the sanctuary, there'll be an opportunity for you to drop those perforated sections in some baskets at the back of the sanctuary. Let me wrap things up for this morning in this way. All of us, all of us, all of us are called by the living God. And yeah, we have a tendency in our lives to resist that call. But God has given us the gift of other people to help reflect our gifts to us. And God has given us the gift of our past. A past that has helped to prepare us to do precisely what it is that God has called us to do in this world. All of us, all of us, all of us have been called by God. I hope you'll join us next week for our next installment of the Called series. Until then, church. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I thank you for these, your beautiful and beloved children. Thank you for the call that you have placed on every single one of our lives. We confess, O Lord, that there have been times in our lives that we have run from your call, and that in doing so we've hurt ourselves and we've hurt others, and we even hurt you. Forgive us, O God. To free us for joyful obedience, to live into your intended future, to dream about where you are calling us and inviting us to be. Thank you for the Ananias that you've placed in my life and the Ananias you've placed in other people's lives. We ask for your grace to hear and to understand when those around us speak. We further pray for your grace to be an Ananias for those in our lives who need direction and help with their calling. Finally, God, we thank you for the history of our lives that brings us to this moment, just such a time as this, preparing us to live into your intended future. Thank you, O God, that tomorrow is bright. Thank you for the gifts of our past and the people that surround us. But above all, thank you for giving us life and a reason to live it. We pray these things in the beautiful and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord always for his sake. And once more, all of God's children said,
0: Amen.